Good morning, and uh, you are listening to Tech Talk on the Nachum Siegel Network. I'm your host, Arya Lightstone. You're listening to us on AM, JM in the AM, excuse me, JM in the AM.org or NachumSiegel.com. We are very proud to be sponsored by our friends at Adorama Camera, more than just a camera store. Please check them out online at Adorama.com or visit them in person at 42 West 18th Street. Uh, so today was, I think, pretty exciting, minus the little bit of post-traumatic stress disorder as a couple of flakes uh, fell down on my windshield wipers uh, as driving up today and uh, got a little bit nervous, but it seems that we've overcome that obstacle and looking at what I would say a mediocre to glorious day here in New York. So uh, welcome. We hope that you enjoy the show. Another exciting show on Tech Talk. Today is the first day of a week called... Teen Tech Week. So what's Teen Tech Week? So for the initiatives to try to generate um, conceptual understanding, but not only conceptual understanding, really uh, motivation, innovation, technology going down to our teens. Uh, maybe actually one would argue that it starts the opposite way. Maybe it starts with our teens. But here from a formal educational perspective, uh, bring technology to the forefront with our teenagers. There is with the American Library Association and across many, many, many public schools and maybe even some yeshivas that this week is a focus on teens and technology and innovation. And uh, with us on the show today, we're going to have two very exciting guests coming at this from two very different perspectives, but important perspectives to get nonetheless. We are going to have a student uh, who I believe is in 10th or 11th grade, we'll find out shortly, at one of our local yeshiva high schools. Uh, come on and tell us about some of the entrepreneurial environments that uh, that he has created, some of the apps that he's brought um, to us. And uh, then after that, we're going to have somebody from the not-for-profit world uh, who has brought teens to the environments where they've had the ability, the freedom, and the motivation to innovate themselves. And we're going to talk about both of those, I think a little bit in contrast, uh, both in terms of motivation and in terms of the ability to follow through. And I think we'll see in both of those different perspectives the excitement, and maybe it's a unique excitement that comes with working with teens uh, in this particular regard. So we're excited to have them on in a little bit. And, uh, and, um, so we are excited, uh, about having that happen. Shortly, we are going to talk, um, about the concept of Israel and technology. And as we try to do on most of our shows, try to bring some form of tie-in in terms of what is going on in Israel and what, uh, is going on in terms of the technology that we have here today. And we're very excited to be able to do that also for those people uh, unaware, BB was here for APAC just last week, and uh, in addition to having been here for APAC, um, he then took a tour to the West Coast, and on the West Coast, um, he had the opportunity to go ahead and to PR Israel in a very meaningful way, and one of the components that he is PRing in a exciting I would call it almost critical. Maybe it doesn't get the right press that it should get, but the water shortages in California, California, Texas, this trip was particularly to, to California. So he was out there and he was PRing and bringing some of the Israeli tech uh, out there that was necessary to be brought there. And it, it, tremendous amount of excitement, although I think California actually got a little bit of rain over the weekend. Uh, the necessity is desperately there. And that's one of the places, uh, and we've spoken about it on the show uh, several different times, um, and I, I'm only – not upset, but uh, but disappointed that we haven't yet had on the right entrepreneurs from the medical technology uh, environment as well as the agri-technology environment. Those are two, and we've got them booked before Pesach to be able to have some of the experts from those industries come to the uh, um, come to the forefront and uh, and have the opportunity to come and speak to us uh, about what they're doing because these are two places that fly very much. I would call it B two B. 
Uh, the consumers don't necessarily, business to business, the consumers don't necessarily understand uh, the value of, of water in their state uh, other than, you know, whether my grass is green or not green, and that's certainly not necessarily a priority, uh, and they don't necessarily understand the medical device component um, unless, uh, God forbid, one's in a position of needing uh, one of those uh, devices. But there are numerous different uh, exciting components, both in agricultural technology, which deals with water and being able to grow more for less, uh, on less space with less uh, ideal environmental conditions, which is something, again, being pioneered from Israel. And the second piece is obviously the medical device component, which is also uh, being pioneered from Israel. Now, it's interesting. If we were to discuss for one moment the distinction between the two, one was created out of necessity of being self-sufficient. The other was being created out of necessity of not being self-sufficient. And what I mean by that is because of challenging, we'll use this word, term, challenging import-export issues with uh, Israel's neighbors, it's difficult to produce stuff that needs to be trucked um, because it's very difficult to truck anything out of Israel. Things need to be shipped. And so, therefore, what things can be shipped, either things that come that are very, very small, and that's part of the nanotechnology revolution that's occurred in Israel, or things that have a tremendous markup. And that very much is the case in the medical device uh, industry. So that came... The, the medical device industry has really been pioneered because that is something that will sell in great distances, in great locations, at enough margins that it can be produced and that technology can be innovated in Israel. Um, and so that's one component. And the second component um, is the agriculture, and that was done out of necessity because most agriculture we know is imported in via trucks. It's not a high-margin business, if you will. Uh, you can't. It's also very difficult to bring in food from so incredibly far away in terms of uh, being able to store it and the such. Um, so the agriculture component came because Israel needed to figure out how to feed itself, and the conditions for anybody who's obviously visited Israel are not ideal in terms of being able to be a uh, a significant. Um, uh, farming hub. So some of the innovations that have been created there uh, are really outstanding. For those of you who haven't yet had the chance to read the book Like Dreamers by Yossi Klein Halevi, it actually goes through some pretty interesting concepts back to the very beginning of uh, agri-technology in Israel. And you see some of the enthusiasm there. For Actually, I'll, I'll give a shameless plug for the book anyways, as I just finished it this Shabbos. Um, it's an outstanding book that really discusses and profiles uh, the lives of many different individuals, mostly around their relationship to being paratroopers and liberating Jerusalem during the 67 war. But it follows them as significant personalities uh, throughout uh, the state of Israel and, and really is... Uh, has tremendous value, uh, certainly in light of the uh, two different major events in New York City yesterday. I didn't think I was going to talk about this, but we will. Uh, one minute before we bring our guest on, uh, certainly the rally uh, in downtown Manhattan yesterday, bringing out tens of thousands, nobody really knows the number, <laughs> um, tens of thousands of um, Jews in protest uh, or in prayer against the draft uh, of uh, people who would be learning in yeshiva. This is not the time uh, nor the place uh, for that conversation, although I'm very interested in tuning into many of the Nachum Siegel network shows that will discuss this intelligently uh, with tremendous information. But the event that I was very excited about yesterday in Times Square, which was the Nefesh Benefesh conference, uh, I know that uh, that obviously Nachum Siegel and uh, part of the team were there. And, and to me, out of all the things that have been innovated from America going to Israel in the past, 25 years. I don't know what's more exciting than Nefesh Benefesh. Um, it's just awesome. And uh, and for those people who haven't had a chance to check out their website, see more about them, understand really what they do and the the net effect that they've had on Americans um, or Anglo's uh, living abroad, but also ultimately on the state of Israel. It's it's just awesome. There there aren't that many things that are transformational in that direction. Okay, just uh, sort of our side. We try to tie tech talk in to the state and land of Israel when we can. We focused a little bit this morning on agri-technology and as well as medical technology and looking forward before Pesach having on experts from both of those industries coming on to hear us. I want to remind all the listeners that you are listening to Tech Talk on the Nachum Siegel Network. I am your host, R.J. Lightstone. You can listen to us on jmintheam.org or nachumsiegel.com. As always, we are proud to be sponsored by our friends at Adorama Camera, more than just a camera store. Please check them out online at adorama.com or visit them in person at 42 West 18th Street. My father, who is a camera fanatic, uh, I know this morning before heading back to Denver, is making a pit stop. 
I believe, at Adorama Camera. He's been met with the customer service there beforehand and is just enthralled with the wide variety of what they provide and the expertise that they provide, provide in that specific industry. It's at this point in time that I'm very excited to welcome on as our guest for this morning, representing Teen Tech Week, Donny Chamish. Did I pronounce your name correctly, Donny? Yes, you did. Good morning. Uh, Thank you for joining us. How are you today? I'm good, thank God. Yourself? Uh, Doing great. We appreciate you taking time from whatever it is that a high school student normally does on an average Monday morning. Um, you You are a student at Yeshiva University High School for Boys, otherwise known as MTA. Is that correct? Yes, I am. And what grade are you in? I am in 12th grade. I'm finishing up this June. Mazel tov. That is very exciting. You should give your parents and whole family a lot of nachas. Um, so, look, uh, we'll sort of get right into it. You are a, a senior in one of our more illustrious yeshiva high schools in uh, in certainly in our neighborhood, perhaps in the country. And uh, and my brother, who teaches at uh, at MTA, said, look, you got to keep your eyes on this guy, Donnie. He is an innovator. He's a technologist, and he's an entrepreneur, and he knows all three of those are buzzwords that he re- immediately resonate in my mind, and as soon as I saw Teen Tech Week on our calendar, I wanted to have you on. So, Donnie, for the sake of our listening audience, would you maybe share with us how you first got into technology, how you first got into the business world? Yes, well, my family, like, has always been very entrepreneurial. Like, my mom and my dad have always been trying to, like, ever since I was little, I always hear them trying to think of, like, different contraptions and different ideas to, like, innovate and create and start new companies so when i was around let's say i think around like 10 years old my dad launched an ice coffee company it was wasn't really technological but just introduced my me into the idea of running a new company he like took off um from his business took like a leave of absence um or whatever and he basically took down and worked on his ice coffee ice coffee company it was a diet ice coffee company called ice espresso it didn't end up panning out, but he ended up sell, selling one of his trademarks for Co- to Coca-Cola, which worked out quite well, actually, at the end. But then afterwards, since once I entered entered high school, uh, basically since all, like, my dad with his ice coffee company took tons and tons of actual funding, anything that's a physical product takes tons and tons of funding just to get samples, just to test run. So he told me he's like he was actually always a, he was into the technology business. Also, before he was a CTO for an investment bank company and a few other companies. He switched off between running their technology department. So he told me he told me he's like if you're really interested in starting a company or whatever, trying to do something, you should try doing it online or through the web. So I thought of it first like I was always into. So I really just sat down and like he told me about it. So I sat down and I'm like I really should just like. Think of a like. Try to just think of a company. How to get into it? Okay, so I'm going to so, pause you for one second there, Donnie. This is we started off in tenth grade. You're sitting around the table and hearing your parents speak about innovation, entrepreneurship, and I agree with you. I don't think all innovation starts with technology, nor does all innovation need to have anything to do with technology. At, at what point in time? I'm just picturing I've got a five year old at home, so I, I hear the value of the conversation. At what point in time did your dad say, by the way, if you want to try this, are you are you 11, are you 13, or wh- where are you? I was around probably around actually 14, 15 once I entered high school, and I kind of kept on bugging him for cash just to get out, <laughs> get around and stuff. He's like, got to make your own Parnassa. So, um, so he kind of just like told me, he's like, do some research, try to find out different things. And so I, I was always kind of the creative type, always trying to think of like, when I was little, I was just always trying to look the latest product I could sell on the bus from chocolates to sodas um, to Game Boy games, things like that. But then once I got older, I decided, okay, let me try to actually develop something. So I was into skateboarding and I was into shoes. So I just my first thing that I tried to work on was creating a, um, creating a company with that would have longboards, which is basically a type of skateboard interesting and unique designs that actually match a uh, pair of skateboarding shoes. But I was in contact with a few different distributors from Alibaba, which are which is a site that hooks you up with manufacturers from China, but it didn't really end up panning out. And then I started an MTA, my YUHSB, introduced a new program when I was in 11th grade called LEAD, 
which was their entrepreneurship program, which gave you an op- which gave every student an opportunity to pitch to uh, lead a, a panel of judges their business idea. So I worked with the head of science in this business school, actually, and developed an idea, which I um, came to make a mock-up website and a few wireframes called NukeFit, standing for New Product Starter. Okay, uh, so we say that once more, a little bit more clearly. What what's the what's the company called? Nukster. Okay. It stands for New Product Starter. Cool. It's a website that was essentially designed to. It's kind of like an after Kickstarter website to design to help people launch their um, launch their products initial batch of sales after it's really released onto the market. So, because nowadays, since there's so many new products constantly being released onto the market, it's very hard to really get out there and really become a a big name. So especially because most big-name stores, retailers like Walmart or Target or whatever, will not take you unless you can show that you have a large initial batch of sales. Right. So that's where my site comes in. It basically was a Kickstarter in the way that you'd be able to, anyone would be able to upload a website and they'd have a certain amount of days to do a certain amount of sales. So rather than just funding the product, the product is actually creating immediate sales. And once the sale is made, and rather than having to wait a few months for the product to come out, it's automatically shipped out. So it gets the people who are kind of a little skeptic to pledge, but that's the pledge for Kickstarter projects, but at the same time really want to support new companies and get their products right away. So every product would have a certain amount of time to do a certain amount of sales or they're off the site. So if they fill up the minimum sales quota, then they continue to get more time on the site. But if not, then they are taken off the website. Okay, and you pitched this idea to a series of funders with a program that MTA created. Is that correct? Yeah. So they weren't essentially, um, they were more yeah. mentors, but okay. basically I won the competition and by, I actually tied with someone else in first place, but by, by being in the competition, we were able to pitch in order to get business mentors to help us continue our business growth. Wow. And, and did you get a chance to launch this product? I did not actually. I had a few. I made some mock-up once I talked to the people, but then my dad kind of kind of took me on board for, with a product where we just actually recently launched a little over a month ago called Instatrade. It's an app that's now on the app market. It's a mobile marketplace that's essentially a mashup between Craigslist and Instagram. As I'm sure you know and many of us know, Craigslist has a very like old and not really too nice user interface. It's very just wordy, not too imagery. And today, like everyone, everything big now is just imagery. Everything's based on imagery. So we kind of redesigned Craigslist by making a much more beautiful and much more user-friendly interface and also integrating many cool features such as a private messaging feature, which you don't have to give out any of your personal information and deal with losing emails and stuff. All the messaging and the contacting is done within the app. So the app works as if anyone could upload. If you have anything you wish to sell or be interested in bartering with, let's say you have an, an old iPhone you no longer use, you take with 15 seconds, as easy as uploading a picture to Instagram, you take a picture of your phone, you, you hashtag a few features, like you hashtag phone, iPhone, camera, uh, whatever, like how, whatever would connect to that phone, and then it's automatically uploaded and you see a nice, on the, on the app, you see a nice display of different images. And if one if one's interested in buying the product, you could actually just click on it. You can message it so that pri- privately, or if you wish to make a trade, let's say you could people could crave things. So you could see, let's say you want, let's say I know you want a Mac and I have an iPhone, so I could propose an offer and it say make a trade and it'll automatically send a picture of my o- iPhone for your Mac and it'll be like, Donnie wants to trade with you. Would you be interested in doing this offer? So you, you're really creating. A vibrant uh, marketplace where you can um, buy or sell, but also to barter. Barter, yes, exactly. And and so you built the the app. How, how do you potentially make money off of this, or is it a user play? Right now, it's a user play. We right now, there's no actual. It's the free app anyone could download it. So right now, we're just trying to build a large user base. We actually barely did any like. We don't really put a, we don't really have a marketing budget, so we don't really spend any money in art, in marketing, but we read some things about app search optimization, actually, like a lot of people are talking about SEO, but app search optimization is pretty big now with the whole, with apps being so popular. 
And actually, right after, right off our launch, we were the first one. We were on top of Barter. We were the first um, results. One would search Barter. The third, if one would search Trade. And just like that, we got a little under. Right now, we're like a month in, a little over a month in. We have a with pretty much no marketing out there. We have a little under three thousand downloads, and over a thousand um, products actually uploaded to the app. So you have almost three thousand users and a thousand products uh, currently being listed on the app. Yeah. H- have you had? Is there any way to track? Um, are there being? Are, are there? I mean, it's one thing to have users. I guess users will only stay if they're buying, selling, or, or bartering. Have you yeah. been able to track whether or not those things are happening? Well, we could see if there's initial messaging and stuff. Since it's like a, since right now we don't have an S, we're working on setting up an escrow system where people would be actually be able to order from. Let's say I was in California. Let's say someone was in California and I'm in New York. I'd be able to ship them a product and Institute would hold their money for them in order to make sure both parties are satisfied with those sure. and results. That way no one gets messed over or anything. Right. But right now, it's like Craigslist in the way that we can't see any final actions, but we constantly see every day new products being uploaded and taken off. So there's no way to confirm exactly when a sale happens, but, you could, but we could see from our back end when people are proposing trades and people are offering cash, and then... If we see like a strong life conversation going on or whatever, we and a product is recently taken off, we could assume that a lot of times that the product's actually sold. And basically, it's it things aren't really sitting things are sitting there, but a lot of times things are going constantly on and off, which is really great that the app's kind of moving along now. So that means that it's moving. I want to take a minute and remind our listeners that they're listening to Tech Talk on the Nachum Siegel Network. You're here with Arye Lightstone and a very special guest, Donnie Chamish. Uh, from Muncie, if I'm guessing correct, from the 845, a senior at, uh, at MTA, Yeshiva University High School for Boys, an active, and it seems like a very effective entrepreneur, um, uh, from a family of active and effective entrepreneurs. You're listening to us on jmandtheam.org or nachomsegel.com. As always, we are proud to be sponsored by our friends at Adorama Camera. More than just a camera store, please check them out online at adorama.com or visit them in person at 42 West 18th Street. So I want to get back to Institrade in a couple of minutes, but I want to understand for a minute, Donnie, for those people out there who have been a high school senior, have a high school senior as a kid or somebody who's going through high school, how do you balance? What, what are you giving up to be active or are you not giving things up to be active in the world of entrepreneurship? Well, in a way... High school, like people say high school is very, I mean, high school is very time consuming. It's very difficult, but at the end of the day, generally, like, you do have some free time. I'm saying a lot of people are spending, saying, I know a lot, especially senior year or whatever, a lot of my friends are basically finishing the entire Netflix and going through just like a lot of time senior year, like wasting, wasting away countless hours. So, I mean, obviously, people need their relaxed time, you need your downtime, and I take my downtime as well, but you, if you want if you want to make time, you could always make time, kind of thing. So okay, I, so if this is something that matters to you, you can find the time in order to make that happen. Yes, exactly. Okay, and have you had a chance, you know, we spoke about Instatrade, I want to keep speaking about it, but, but tell our audience, tell me please, you know, are you coming at this from just the business side, or do you bring what I'll call technical expertise to the table as well? Can can you program? Is that important? What 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 sort of steps, other than hearing about this at the dinner table, have enabled you to be active in the world of entrepreneurship and technology? Well, basically, what I just used is my yearbook quote, actually, and I think the good life slogan that I use a lot is "Don't let the tools you don't have stop you from using the tools you do have." And essentially, everything is available online online nowadays, just with going on to Google and typing in anything you could find out, pretty much anything you need to know about any entrepreneurial activity. So I just researched through Google, like a few, like like the ASO aspect, the app search optimization. I taught myself basic SEO skills as well. I learned HTML and CSS on Code Academy, which, is, which was great and like taught me a lot of basic things, and I started playing around with it through different software like Dreamweaver and stuff like that, just making mock-up sites in order just to get used to change, changing around user interface. And 
basically just utilizing what you have online. Like, everything's available to be taught. I and, mean, like, my dad and a few other, like, friends of mine who were into coding taught me some basic stuff and just uh, made a, like, when I was working on just a few different things, like, just to test out or whatever, like, Shopify is pretty popular just for people who want to create standard e-commerce sites. So I made, a, I made a simple Shopify website, and I just spent an hour and a half talking to a representative, just basically figuring out every single detail. So in order really for, I think, in order for one to actually just be a, a crucial part in any startup or whatever, it's essential for one to just really do research and really use Google and the tools they have to their max potential. Yeah, can you give us your yearbook quote again? It's, it's when, when we hear things that I think are profound and a message that anybody can take with them. I think this is a really important one. Would you mind saying that again for our audience? Yes, of course. Don't let the tools you don't have stop you from using the tools you do have. I actually found that on a fortune cookie, and I was <laughs> like, I like that. I'm a fan. Yeah, I was going to say, it's a, you know, you get, the, you get the fortune cookie. I try to make sure to open them always. You never know what it's going to say. Um, my vocabulary... And it's still fairly limited, although that's probably important for the economy of our future as well. Uh, but when, when, you can, when you can learn something profound, I think that certainly has, uh, has value. So that's, uh, thank you for sharing that with us. Um, so you, you've taken tremendous initiative because you're interested and passionate about it. So now explain to me for a minute what's driving you. Is the goal to have a successful exit? Do you, are you enjoying the journey? What's, what's the... Do you, do you get to get out of class because of something like what? Why aren't you watching whatever the show is on Netflix that a lot of your friends would then be watching or learning an extra Seder, frankly? Yeah. Um, because something, I just really took an interest. Like, I enjoy, I enjoy doing it. I really have, like, it just makes me feel, like, good to be part of something and really feel like I'm contributing and just look by just participating in this, even if, it doesn't work out, or any entrepreneurial activity, you always gain something. There's nothing ever lost by putting in efforts. So whenever whenever I put work into something, even if it doesn't work out and it doesn't come through, as long as, like, I know I put in effort, you could always look, I could always feel like I could look back and see, like, okay, I learned a lesson from this. What, how can I move on? What could I learn from my failures? And... As so it's really not a distinction like from a high school education. This is this is how you are doing a significant amount of your learning. It's not that you think you have the answer, but this is uh, a, a process of. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but tell me if if I'm restating what you're saying. Um. Yes, pretty much. It's a it's a process. It's this isn't taking away from my learning in any way. I'm still participating. I'm doing well in all my high school classes. But it could even apply to my general high school studies as well. If I don't do well on a particular test, I could, rather than just being like, oh, this is, I'm not good at this subject, okay, I need to put more time to this subject, or how could I adapt a different studying strategy in order to enhance my education in that way, and that way I could score better on my tests. Uh-huh. So you, you, and have you been able to find that stuff that you've learned and your world of entrepreneurship is translated back to SATs or, or you know, taking a final or a midterm, anything like that? Um, well, definitely in the way of time management. When it came to when I started studying for my SATs, I found it a lot easier to sit down, which I don't think I would have been able to do a few years ago before I started trying to sit down for hours and do research on different marketing strategies and different ways to develop my entrepreneurial skills, when it came to actually sitting down and studying for tests and finals and everything, I found it easier to manage my time, make a proper schedule, just because of all these time-consuming activities that I've lately been participating in. It's, it's tough, and you, anyone who wants to participate in this field really has to have a proper schedule and work everything out in order that they could fit every single thing into their busy day. Right, so... It's been able to help you become, and we've heard this from a lot of our entrepreneurs out there. That that one of the questions, whether you're you know newly married with kids or or you know you're approaching retirement, it's the schedules aren't nine to five, they're not eight to six, they're not you know it's very difficult to define what it takes in terms of timing to be a successful entrepreneur. But you've learned to prioritize and learned how to schedule, which I think is a skill that that 
certainly most high schoolers need. I can tell you that I, I'm still struggling with it, and I'm sure many of my peers and contemporaries um, are struggling with that as well. So if you if you learn that from entrepreneurship, maybe we should jump into that a little bit more. Yes. Um, so, uh, so, 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 um, Donnie, do you, do you find that you are an exception in the world of yeshiva high school students, or do you think that there are more and more uh, students, sort of like yourself, doing more things uh, in the world of entrepreneurship? Um, not a, I don't think I'm an exception at all. I'm saying I think I like to think that I'm a hard worker and really try. But this year we just had our students the second year of of lead the, my high school's entrepreneurship program, and I believe around like 50 kids showed up to the first meeting. Wow! So it's it's yeah, it's a large movement. I'm saying every, everyone's interested in making money, uh, so everyone's trying. I'm saying kids nowadays, especially with the technological like capabilities that people have, it's now cheaper than ever to kind of create a company. You no longer need to go to massive factories and manufacturers in order to get a prototype built one could sit down learn how to code for a few learn how to code on code academy or any other coding site or just make mock-up web or just make things on wix or shopify and kind of create your own company with a lot less initial investment so nowadays it just seems like and especially with sites like kickstarter and other crowdfunding sites like people are just constantly and constantly trying to be more entrepreneurial which is great and like you can really see them a lot of my friends are really just every other day they're coming everyone's coming up with new ideas and really trying to push the limits so you're you're really saying i think at least two different things number one is that the barrier to entry is far lower uh, than it's been in the past uh, you know the proverbial i can build a business in, in my parents basement if i wanted to but while you're still in high school they probably don't make you stay in the basement uh, the ease of entry uh, is there, but also the sort of the ability, that the, the, the easier ability to acquire knowledge is there as well. So if, if I see a need and I want to try to fit that need, but I'm missing that skill, going back again to your yearbook quote, to me that says all, all that you need to know about somebody who's entrepreneurial. If you want to do it, the tools are there to figure out how to do it. You no longer need to hire 28 people to prove your point, you can prove your point, and then after that, you can, you know, sort of do a, a, a larger rollout. Is that fair? Exactly. Right. So while, while I'm talking to you, you'll get a, a kick out of that. For those people, and, and, you know, as I've been on the show longer, people have tweeted me more. Uh, so uh, anybody interested in tweeting uh, can certainly tweet at me, at Lightstone, L-I-G-H-T-O-S-T-O-N-E-A, at Lightstone A. And, uh, and just while I was doing that, I got a tweet from uh, a teacher who I'm sure is not in the middle of class listening right now, but uh, is holding up a sign that he has on his desk that says, I've yet to have a student tell me that they can't use technology in class because they haven't had professional development on it, which is interesting. I think you, you hear from a lot of the, the teachers and administrators, certainly not all of them by any stretch of the imagination, that before I introduce a new tool into class, I have to make sure that I learned how to use it and everything else like that. And, and and here I'm having a conversation with you that I can start a business. I might not have any of those core skills, but if I'm interested enough, I can figure out how to get those skills. It's it's all out there. It's all accessible. And, and uh, I think this fellow also had a, uh, you know, uh, hearing you was quite motivated to say that it can't stop me. If the technology is going to make my class or educational experience better, I'm going to do it even if I haven't perfected it yet. Yes. I'm saying technology, as I was saying before, just technology is so, so available these days. And with just a simple click on Google or just go to, like, I took out, we're trying to figure out how to really market our things, our Institrade through social media. And so went to the went to the local library, took out the social media Bible, and just started plowing through it. Just like, let's skim, I mean, I didn't really get too far into it, but just skimming over whatever, and I plan on getting into it in the future and really studying more on social media. I'm actually starting next week a independent study with one of my marketing with a marketing professor from YU. Um, a great part about going to MTA, I really had the opportunity to take YU classes, Chief University classes as a senior. So it gave me an opportunity to actually become close to certain professors and to really extend my knowledge and actually get some college credits while I was there. So one of the classes I took was marketing and 
now after the class finished, I continue to keep keep in touch with my marketing professor, and I'm actually starting an independent study next week with him on social media marketing. That's really cool. So so I guess that's a that is a unique benefit to uh, to MTA and its proximity to. Yeshiva University. I wonder if you can take some of those courses on Coursera, but certainly not that one-on-one uh, individual attention that you are going to be the beneficiary of. Uh, so now, before we get into social media, we'll call this formal media marketing. Tell our audience in just a couple minutes that we've got left uh, with this interview uh, why they would go to InstaTrade, how they would find InstaTrade, and what they would use InstaTrade for. Well, anyone could first search for InstaTrade on the... It's now available on the App Store. It's coming out within a few weeks. It's going to be available on the Android market as well. But basically, anyone could, could the people could find out about Instatrade. They could visit instatrade.me. That's our website. And if anyone's interested, just quickly, you could go to, you go to the app store, download the app. It's one of the, it moved down a little on the ASO, but it's still up there for barter. One searches barter, they could find Instatrade. Same thing with trade or the actual name, Instatrade. And essentially, as I said earlier, Instatrade is a mobile marketplace that allows users to easily upload anything that they wish to sell, barter, or see what people are interested in obtaining from them. So if you have an old item that you wish to no longer, that you no longer use, I actually used it. I traded my bike for a snowboard for it. So I uploaded my bike. And another person, I saw someone actually uploaded someone in the New York, the New York in Poughkeepsie uploaded a snowboard, and I needed a snowboard for this season because my snowboard from last season broke on me, actually. So I offered him a trade, and we actually made a trade, and I was able to drive out to Poughkeepsie. We made the trade, and I got, I was happy. I got my snowboard. He got a BMX bike, which he needed, and it all worked out. So basically, Instagram is just setting up people. It's just allowing people. To, it's an online it's a huge, has huge potential. It's an online mobile marketplace for anyone who really wishes to buy or sell anything. Everyone has tons of extra things in their house that they no longer use anymore. And it's very, and with the, as easy as uploading a picture to Instagram, taking around 15 seconds, one could easily just upload their, whatever product they wish to, to Instatrade and have it available on, a, on an open market for people to be able to just view and grab. And anyone could message you automatically you without this, disclosing any personal information at all. So really the app just allows for just a more user-friendly, better user interface kind of Craigslist in a way, allowing people just to connect with one another and exchange items and benefit from one one another. Okay, so that's very exciting. I'm looking forward to... um Looking forward to checking out instatrade.me, instatrade.me, downloading it on all of my Apple devices and putting it on my Android phone as soon as it comes out to the Android um, uh, market. We're excited about seeing it, using it, and certainly uh, promoting some of the we have here on Tech Talk and throughout the Nahum Siegel Network. Wanted to take this opportunity to thank you, Donnie. You are an engaging guest, I think, uh, very uh, motivational for for high schoolers out there, any any day schoolers and, and collegiates, etc. And and what you have done and and growing up in your family to me is just really exciting. And and you should keep up all the great work. All right, thank you. Th- thank you for coming on. Please send my best to Mr. Lightstone. Make sure uh, you know he's teaching the physics course well. And uh, and I'm looking forward yeah. to seeing more uh, new and exciting uh, products that you're putting out there and the success of Instatrade. Okay, thank you so much for this opportunity. Our pleasure. Have a great day. You too. Take care. Bye. Thank you. Um, So you've been listening to R.E.A. Lightstone on Tech Talk. We just had our student, Donnie Hamish, uh, come out uh, from whatever class he would be taking as a senior at MTA. Um, And uh, we're very excited to have had him speak about some of the apps that he's done, some of the other uh, buying and selling entrepreneurship that he's been engaged with. And uh, and to me, it's just exciting to see, like you said, there are other ways that you can spend your time. But if you can be motivated and excited about this, um, potentially you can learn pretty much any skill that you need in order to be successful, just like people who are passionate about music or art or whatever else it would be. This is something that, that is a passion, and, uh, and we're living in a unique time where both uh, uh, barrier to entry in the market is uh, is lower than it's ever been before, and accessibility to tools and skills at an affordable price 
is uh, is different than it's ever been before. So uh, so here on Tech Talk, we're very excited to have Dani Chamesh, um, and uh, and uh, wanted to remind all of our audience prior to welcoming on our second guest on the show that you are listening to Tech Talk. This week's focus has been on the Teen Tech Week. We just had Dani, a senior at Yeshiva University High. TA here on the Nachum Siegel Network. I am your host, Arya Lightstone. You can listen to us on jmtheam.org or on nachumsiegel.com. As always, we are proud to be sponsored by our friends at Adorama Camera, more than just a camera store. Please check them out online at adorama.com or visit them in person at 42 West 18th Street. I want to thank again ZK, uh, our engineer, for, uh, for producing what we hope is a wonderful show, at least technically it's sound, and we can thank ZK for that. So really much appreciate that. And I believe, ZK, we've got our second guest on the line, John Ackerman. Are you there, John? I'm here. Thanks so much for having me. Good morning, John. Uh, and full disclosure to our audience, um, John and I have now been friends for going on uh, six, seven, eight years. Uh, had the opportunity to work together for quite a while. And the reason why I wanted to bring John on the line, and again, John, thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule today, is... This is Teen Tech Week, and uh, and just like every week, it doesn't mean that every day is not right. The the, the cliche, every day is Mother's Day, right? That uh, that uh, that teens are involved with technology each and every day of the week, um, probably each and every hour of the day that they have of that week. Hopefully, twenty four six. But uh, but that by focusing on the technology and the entrepreneurship of teens, uh, it's really enfranchising, uh, and it gives them an opportunity to. To see what they can do, we can hear from students like Donnie. I know this afternoon I'm going to be speaking, and I think six or seven different schools, please God, uh, to students who want to aspire for entrepreneurship, uh, etc., and uh, and really have an opportunity to connect with them and to to give them, uh, you know, the opportunity to go out there and to do what they feel that they're inclined to do. Like Donnie pointed out, over 50 kids came uh, to their entrepreneur. Um, uh, program at MTA. So I have John on the line because I think it's equally important when we're speaking to teens uh, to look at innovation, not just with profit as the ultimate motivation, but to look at teens uh, and say, look, you can be entrepreneurial, you can be technologically savvy, and you can do it because at the end of the day, you might not be concerned about the bottom line yet, and that's okay, but let's view this as a way to broaden your horizons and your scope. And John Ackerman, I think, is probably one of the most dynamic Teen workers that A, I've worked with, but B, in, in the, certainly in the tri-state area and, and wanted to bring them on really as a subject matter expert, uh, in terms of engaging teens in creative, not, not in ways that he engages them creatively, but in ways that the teens, uh, seize upon their natural talents and, and offer creativity and innovation. So John, with the longest introduction that you probably ever received outside of NCSY, uh, can you please share with us uh, some w- why this is important to teens, and then maybe we'll, we'll talk about some some details in terms of some innovative projects, etc. Absolutely, and thank you so much for that uh, great and long <laughs> introduction. Um, yeah, you know, these days it really um, teens have an ability to gather and communicate on levels that are really unprecedented. In the past, it's sort of been that they've had to wait and wait their turn, wait till they get to college. Um, but because of the technology and social networking that's available, whether it's Facebook or Twitter, uh, teens really are able to communicate in a clear and unified way um, when that's never been more critical, whether that's advocating for Israel, whether that's um, establishing themselves as leaders within their own communities. They now have platforms and the ability to connect not just to the world at large, but really to gather um, and to communicate with each other and they really become a, uh, a force to be reckoned with. It's really, it's fun to watch how they use technology and, uh, and their, their plug-in technology to really become, um, people who are at the forefront of, uh, of any type of advocacy. Okay. So one of the ways is certainly in, uh, we'll call high-speed communication and, uh, and being able to broadcast a message, you know, beyond the halls that they live in. I remember when you used to run for student council, you know, you'd put up posters and maybe three of them. Uh, the school I went to wasn't so large. Maybe other people would put up more posters. Um, but that was sort of how you communicated with your 
um, circle. And I remember even once upon a time we used to, when, when we would run Shabbatones, you know, the flyer and the application was the most important thing to make sure it was mailed on time. And I remember the graphics and in color and the printing, etc. So, okay, so communication has obviously changed rapidly in a very short period of time. It, tell me about some of the innovative programs that you've run in NCSY that have yielded greater innovation by teens and, and sort of where you've seen them shine uh, in different places, I think with a focus on leadership, if that's possible. Absolutely. One of our shining stars in terms of uh, programs is called JUMP, stands for uh, the Jewish Unification and Mentorship Program, uh, which I believe you're fairly familiar with. Um, JUMP is essentially a leadership competition where schools from really all around the country compete in, in different leadership categories, whether it's advocacy, whether it's uh, uh, Holocaust education or Jewish awareness, um, and the teams themselves have the ability to really step up into leadership roles um, to leverage their entire school population. And uh, through the competition, we really see some of the, uh, the bright lights among them step up, um, and uh, there's a professional sense to it where they feel that they're not representing their schools just on a uh, on a team level, but really on a professional level um, in a way that's been unprecedented in our history. Um, with very little guidance and advice from any adults, teens are really sort of uh, capturing the the attention of people all over, especially the New York area, certainly in some of our uh, our farther out out of town cities um, like Kansas and Portland. Um, really really generating a lot of buzz and excitement by themselves leading programs, themselves um, reaching out to the communities and reaching out to people all over um, their own cities and uh, really becoming a driving force for the next generation of Jewish leadership. Um, one of the, the elements that we are really excited about is the fact that though each team does have an adult mentor, somebody from the school who's, who's overseeing what they're doing, Every idea, every program, and really every inch of, uh, of their accomplishments are generated by the teams themselves. And uh, it's really fun to watch their creativity and their excitement sort of boil over. Okay, so they, they get excited about this. They are given leadership opportunities. Give some examples of some of the more creative things that the teams have run. And if my understanding of JUMP is correct, it's wholly a team-led initiative. Is that fair? Yeah, that's absolutely true. Jump is 100% team-led. We really put them in the driver's seat. Um, I'll give you a couple of good examples of, of some of the exciting things the teams are doing. Uh, last year, um, SKA out of the five towns ran an incredible program where they adopted um, a, a unit in Israel of Israeli soldiers. And when I say adopted, I don't mean just they sent them thank you notes. From food to supplies, coats, uh, clothing, um, visits during during vacation times. I mean, they really stepped up to adopt um, Israeli soldiers as their own brothers and sisters, their own relatives. Um, they they leveraged and negotiated with El Al uh, to be able to ship um, supplies to the soldiers free of charge. It, you know, to see teams who are not only participating, not only leading, but taking real adult roles, negotiating with airlines for anyone who's ever tried is not an easy business to be in. And uh, they really excelled. Um, and I think when, when adults come in contact with, with some of these passionate um, teenagers, they come away not only impressed, but I believe inspired themselves to take part. Um, this year, I know that uh, Yeshiva University High School for Girls Central um, has created an initiative where they are trying to educate as many people as possible um, in terms of Holocaust history and remembrance, knowing fairly well that uh, it's it's really difficult to see sort of the last generation of Holocaust survivors beginning to disappear and, and owning up the fact that we're the only ones left, really, they're the only ones who can continue on um, the message and continue on the stories of all these people. And they've reached out to communities whether they're Jewish communities or non-Jewish communities, but to, to teams like themselves who they feel really need to hear that message and, uh, and, and can carry the torch so that uh, you know, history is not forgotten. So that's really interesting. I like that very, very much. Um, 
Is there a particular personality of a teen uh, or student that you think excels specifically in this jump type of program, or, or is it able to hit? Meaning, uh, don't we already have student council? Don't we already have sort of captains of sports teams? Why jump? Why, why even NCSY leadership? Can can you sort of address that, please? Sure. I think one of the biggest challenges among leadership in general, but specifically uh, Jewish leadership, is sort of a notion of, well, we're going to do this now because that's what we did last year. And I think that that's sort of a, a particular downfall of student councils, that they're always trying to replicate what came before them. Um, if only we could live up to last year's class or the seniors from two years ago. What JUMP really provides and what NCSY in general provides is a creative and innovative approach to leadership where um, the first thing that we do is sort of take a wrecking ball to whatever was before and start fresh. And that these teams, because of partially the competition aspect, but also because of the encouragement of, of their, their mentors to be innovative, to push for, for creativity and to, to leverage social media and their own negotiating power, um, the, that desire to sort of fall back into what's easy and what's, you know, what was done before is something that uh, we really strive to uh, to eliminate. Um, and in terms of their personality, I think that one of the beauty, uh, one of the beauties of NCSY is there is no one personality. You have really a mix of people who maybe are the more obvious leaders, charismatic, outgoing, uh, have wonderful public speaking skills. But you also have a, a wide array of people who are ready and willing to lead by example, which may be even more important. But through their acts and through their leadership, um, they raise their games to levels that, that even they themselves never thought uh, uh, they'd be playing at. So it, it does give an opportunity for students who wouldn't normally be in a natural leadership position. Now, granted, natural leaders oftentimes that, uh, you know um, uh, elevate to the top, but there are other students for whom their skills, I don't want to say are under, or have a chance to flourish, and that jump does give an opportunity for those students to, to hopefully have that chance to rise to the top. Um, so we're speaking to John Ackerman. John Ackerman is, is, has been a leader in teen education innovation for, for at least a decade uh, here in the New York area. Uh, you're listening to Tech Talk. I am your host, Arye Lightstone. We are on, on the Nachum Siegel Network. Uh, you can listen to us at jmintheam.org or nachamsegel.com. As always, we are proud to be sponsored by our friends at Adorama Camera, more than just a camera store. Please check them out online at adorama.com or visit them in person at 42 West 18th Street. Now, the audience knows I was involved with NCSY uh, in, in a fairly rigorous way for at least seven years. And I always wasn't able to put my finger on it, but I felt that NCSY gave you so many opportunities for, really, it's a natural incubator of programs. And, uh, and, and because it was that way for staff, I thought it was a natural incubator for students as well. And as this is the last seven minutes on our show taking place during Teen Tech Week, um, you, you have connections and affiliations with teens outside of a formal educational environment. You know the kids who are more savvy entrepreneurially and technologically. Can you tell me, you know, sort of where you project those teens in terms of as they move forward to college applications, as they move forward to, you know, even developing businesses on the sides? Are you seeing, are you seeing a great? Yeah, I think um, you know one of the uh, one of the elements of of uh, college acceptance. Really? One of the um, elements of college acceptances and, and even maybe new new businesses um, in terms of uh, looking at some of um, these teams and and whether it's hiring or whether them becoming entrepreneurs themselves is that um, uh, because of their their flashes of creativity in high school and because they've taken major steps um, to accomplish really really great things um, in these younger years. When people are looking to hire and when colleges are looking to accept, they get so many of the same applications. This really stands out. And I even know after meeting with several um, acceptance boards from universities all around the New York area, um, there's certain, sort of a standard resume that schools uh, receive all the time, and those tend to get pushed to the side. 
colleges are looking for innovation. They're looking for creativity, and they're looking for extreme dedication uh, to causes. When they look at someone with significant NCSY experience on their resume, and they see somebody who is willing to take steps, somebody who's a growth-oriented individual, who doesn't just shows up, but shows up with their sleeves rolled up and ready to work, and, and students who are, who are ready to embrace real causes on themselves, they see uh, somebody who they feel will excel within their program. And I think that sort of spills over into the entrepreneurial world as well. When, when these teams experience success or failure um, at this level, I think it creates a certain hunger uh, for greater success and to try again and to, uh, to become better. I think that the teams come out knowing that uh, they have to shoot for amazing, and if they miss, they'll hit pretty good, which is, which is great. And uh, I think that desire really starts to turn at a younger age, and it really does carry over whether it's into college or, or into their, their professional careers. I can't tell you how many letters uh, I've received over the past four or five years from uh, former NCSY students and participants who tell me that, that uh, because of where they are, because of what they experienced at NCSY, they've started their own businesses. They, they've become uh, leaders within their own schools. And I'm not just talking about within the, the Hillels or Chabad, but real leaders, um, class presidents and class representatives all over the country because of the opportunity that we gave them. It's really exciting to see Okay, in the last couple minutes, and again, we're, we're talking with John Ackerman, uh, from NCSY out of New York, and, uh, you're listening to Ari Lightstone on the Tech Talk show on the Nachum Siegel Network. Uh, you can listen to us on jmnam.org or nachumsiegel.com. As always, we are proud to be sponsored by our friends at Adorama Camera. More than just a camera store, please check them out online at adorama.com or visit them in person at 42 West 18th Street. John, we, we focus about this all the time. And I think, in, obviously, with only the two minutes left, I'm going to ask you to push back on the other direction. People want to know about uh, successful exits. They want to know about cash flow. They want to know about balance sheets. They want to know about money raised. And we have a chance, I'd say, out of the 17 shows I've done, um, 16.8 of them uh, focus on, at the end of the day, you might be providing a service or a good for society, but there is there's something in it for you as well. And I'm not saying that there isn't in it for you as well in social entrepreneurship, but talk to me why it's critical to develop those skills today to make them better leaders for tomorrow. Well, I think uh, you sort of said it perfectly. You know, if um, I know that when I went uh, into college, I didn't, I didn't know the first thing about a balance sheet. I didn't know uh, how to uh, how to change the oil in my car, and I wasn't even sure how to, how to budget myself correctly. Um, these teams are wrapping their heads around um, really complicated projects that have complicated budgets. And they're, the experience they're gaining from this really sets them up for major success when they walk into their first accounting classes, when they walk into their first finance classes with real experience of how to run a budget, how to, uh, how to create a budget, um, and how to react when things don't go according to plan, which I think is extremely valuable for a lot of teams. Uh, their entire life has been revolved around a plan. They go to high school, they go to the summer camps, all the classic places, and then they go to the schools that their parents sort of have laid out for them. Um, what's different right now in the NCSY world is that these teams are getting really invaluable experience in the arenas of finance, in the arenas of, of accounting, and the ability to put together a balance sheet and to put together a financial plan, uh, having that knowledge before you step one foot into college is extraordinarily valuable. Okay, and in terms of their skills, in terms of just life skills, for almost forget, um, like you said, leaders of uh, on the college and their schools and their synagogues and in organizations. What, what's the value if you can, if you can, in the minute that we have left, uh, in in sort of the outside the box problem solving thinking that we try to give these kids in terms of skills? I think at the end of the day, it's it's uh, giving over the ability to high-character teams, um, not to look at every situation as why why can't we do this, but, but how can we get it done. By being innovative, by being creative, and by being absolutely determined, they come out with a sense of, of you know, when they see a problem, well, this is how it's not going to work. But rather, they, they take on every challenge as, okay, here are 15 different ways we can. They're not all going to work, but one of them might. 
I think that, if nothing else, that may be the most valuable lesson that they learned in NCSY. And they walk away with that. And uh, and look, the innovation, again, like we said, uh, emanates from, from uh, informal educational leaders like yourself, John. And, uh, and look, I know that a lot of the students... Some of them turn back and say, thank you. A lot of the students don't necessarily get that. But, uh, but really I think that, that the Jewish world that we have is, is much more enriched because of people like you and your organization and other people with a similar drive to innovate and create. But more importantly, I think if we can conclude one thing from the conversation that we've had today on Tech Talk here with Arya Lightstone on the Nachum Siegel Network, we've had two outstanding guests, Donnie, a senior at MTA, Jonathan Ackerman, a, uh, a long time a professional working with teens in the tri-state area, uh, primarily through NCSY, is that the goal is to give and, and direct students where they can find their tools and allow them themselves. And on occasion, that means allow them to falter, maybe even, dare we say, allow them to fail, because when they do that, they'll figure out how they can get back up. And whether it's social entrepreneurship or for-profit entrepreneurship, it's a skill that I don't think we've learned how to teach well enough. We've had the opportunity to hear from an entrepreneur who does it himself and from somebody who's been able to guide many of them uh, in their journey. John, I wanted to thank you for taking time out of your schedule for being with us today. We look forward to having you back on future shows. Absolutely. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Have a great day, John. Thank you. Another shout-out to ZK for engineering another, uh, hopefully, Lightstone here on the Nachum Siegel Network on Tech Talk. We look forward to seeing and speaking with you again next week uh, as we engage on the issues of entrepreneurship and technology uh, related with the Jewish world, the world in Israel, and the world at large. Thank you so much, and have an outstanding day.